0: So today we're focusing on Luke chapter eleven verses one to thirteen where we hear of the Lord's prayer. Dear pastor, I say my prayer before I eat my supper, but my mother still makes me finish my spinach and drink my milk. From Julie, age nine in Bethalo. Isn't that often the way of prayer? I wonder how often God gets treated like a vending machine, like the magical God, as we pray for our team to win, for our watch to be found, for the light to turn green, for the spinach and milk to disappear sometime during the course of supper. Debbie Thomas says, like some of you, I was raised to believe in a gumball God. For years, I believed that fervent, persistent prayer heals diseases prevents car accidents, feeds hungry children in faraway countries, fends off nightmares, prevents premature death, saves broken relationships, and stops the bad guys. But then life rose up and kicked me in the butt. Diseases didn't get better. Car accidents happened. I had nightmares, babies starved, young people died, relationships disintegrated, and the bad guys thrived. When I asked other Christians to explain these discrepancies to me, I received two answers. You need to pray harder, longer, and with more faith. Or, God did answer your prayers, and he said no. And those responses both broke her heart and hardened her heart. Why bother praying if it doesn't change the outcome? Sadly, this gospel passage has often been misused and misunderstood. How often have you been on the other side of an event that you had prayed about, wondering if the outcome was because you hadn't prayed hard enough, or you didn't have enough faith? I mean, didn't Jesus say, ask and it will be given, search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened? So why then were you not given what you asked for? Why did you not find what you searched for? Why did the door remain closed when you knocked? Surely it must have been your fault. You must have done something wrong, prayed wrong, or maybe God just doesn't care. I don't believe any of that, so I think we need to backtrack. Jesus was praying, it says, as he often did, and the disciples asked him to teach them to pray. Don't you find that a little unusual? I mean, these are faithful Jewish men and women. They knew how to pray. They have been praying since birth. So what is it that Jesus could teach them that they didn't already know? What did they see in him that they didn't already have? I think it was intimacy. Intimacy with God. Lord, teach us how to talk to God the way you do. The way a child talks to their papa. Show us how to find the kind of peace in prayer that you have. And so Jesus begins by telling them how to pray. First, start with intimacy. Start with Father, Abba, Papa, Daddy, Mom, Mimi. Start with that intimacy, with that familiarity. And then you go to respect. Hallowed be your name. Being Abba or Mom, Lord, is the most important relationship that you are to me. It means that I trust you. Your kingdom come. It's not about what I think is right, but about what you have designed for us, about what gives life in you. Your kingdom come here, in this time, in this place. Give us all what we need to live, bread, water, companionship. Nothing extravagant, but enough for everyone. And then forgive us. Forgive us because we are still learning to forgive. And in that process, keep us from straying. And that's it. Now as Paul tells the Philippians, let your requests be known to God. But first Jesus says, start here. Because the Lord's prayer is a realignment of our requests. It's a realignment that puts our desires in line with God's will and not the reverse. Not the other way around. Dear Pastor, I know God loves me, but I wish he would give me an A on my report card so I could be sure. Love, Teresa. Age 8 in Milwaukee. Now, I don't know about any of you, but when my child asks for something, he often doesn't take no as an answer. got that right? So he starts by asking why or why not, and then he asks again and again and again, and usually if Mark and I have made a decision, that's the answer no matter how many times he asks. It's irritating. And like Abraham then, he tries to negotiate. Now honestly, if he comes up with a fair option, I, I might consider it, but he is shameless in his asking just like Abraham, how about if I do this, then can I have that, what if there are 50 righteous people, it, wait a minute, what about 45, what, how about 40, what if there's 40 righteous people, will you still destroy Sodom, what about 30, how about 20, God, please don't get mad, but what about 10, so, so Jesus goes on to tell the parable about the man who goes to his friend, asking for bread, because someone has come to his home unexpectedly, And he has nothing to offer. So he pounds on the door and he yells at the window. And this, again, is about hospitality. I don't know if you've noticed, but that's been a regular theme over the past several weeks. And when a family can't offer proper hospitality to a guest, it is a mark against the whole community. So I imagine the neighbors are getting a load of this, right? They can hear this commotion on the street. So finally, the friend gets up and gives him what he needs. And the word in our biblical translation says that it's because of the man's persistence. But the word in Greek is more in line with shamelessness. It's not that the man demanded until his friend gave in. It's that he made the request without shame, knowing that it was absolutely necessary, that it was in line with what needed to happen for himself and for his family and for his guests and for the whole community. The man asked shamelessly at Abraham asked shamelessly both trusting in the justice of the request and trusting in the God who is very patient with our requests dear pastor thank you for your sermon on Sunday I will write more when my mother explains to me what you said <laughs> yours truly Justin age nine of Westport And so Jesus goes on. When you ask for what is needed, it will be given. When you search for what is important, it will be found. When you knock at the door of one who cares, it will be opened. Because God, who is so much more faithful than this friend of the parable, already knows what is good and necessary for life. And he closes by saying that God will give you the Holy Spirit to any who ask. And that's the clincher. If you haven't paid attention yet, we don't get whatever we ask for. That's not what Jesus says. We get the Holy Spirit. We get the advocate, the inspirer, the guide, the person of God sent to us to open our hearts and minds to Christ. The one whose job it is to realign our hearts with God's. That's the promise Jesus makes. It's the only promise here. It's the most important promise in this scripture passage. We know there are no unanswered prayers, and yet God's answers go so much deeper than simply, yes, no, or not yet. I mean, what kind of relationship is that when that's the only response we would get? And so we pray. We pray as a way of being intimate with our mama, papa, We pray to share our blessings and our hurts. We pray and lament, getting angry when things are clearly not as they should be. We pray shamelessly, trusting in God's patience and care for us. We pray ceaselessly in our rising and our setting and our work and in our play in our fear and in our hope. We pray for ourselves, we pray for others, we pray for creation, we pray for healing. We pray in thanksgiving, And we pray in grief. We pray trusting in a God who loves us without abandon, who listens to the Spirit offer on our behalf, sighs too deep for words, who desires for us everything that gives true life. So we pray, Abba, Papa, Mommy, your name is holy and precious to me. Send your kingdom into our lives. Give us our daily bread each day daily bread for all of us forgive us our sins help us forgive the sins of others and let us not be led into trials without your presence and in response god has already sent to us the holy spirit as advocate as kingdom ambassador as our daily sustenance as forgiver and forgiveness as guide and presence through the dark times. Uh, one of the jokes I read yesterday kind of reminded me of it. Um, the, one of the parents had to leave with their child. And so the stroke was that a parent had to leave with their child. The child was making a ruckus. The dad loaded him up and walked out in congregations. You know, very good about just ignoring the commotion until the child said, y'all pray for me now. <laughs> Amen. (laughs) Let's stand in honor of Christ as we sing our hymn of the day.